0: afternoon and good evening wherever and whenever you may be and welcome to this spoiler special fast nine episode of fade to black podcast
1: i used to live my life a quarter mile at a time but things changed my father now i will always be in your heart
2: little brian i have a gift for you your daddy gave me this No, i'm gonna give it to you it's very special
1: it's for protection from what's coming
0: all right dom what's next
1: no matter how fast you are Compared to you, no one outruns their past. I am more easy, you trying your best to become me. And mine just caught up to me. Been a long time don't.
0: I'm Hannah Flint. I'm Clarice Lockeray.
1: And I'm Amon Woman.
0: And before we get into a deep dive review of the latest film in the Fast and Furious franchise, we have a special interview with writer director Justin Lin, who has been an integral engineer since he joined the series with Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. Lynn was subsequently behind the fourth, fifth, and sixth instalments, and has returned with F9, as well as the 10th and believed final outing of Dom Toretto and his family. We spoke about the franchise's evolution, Han's return, the future of the franchise, and why no one really bleeds anymore. It's just really weird, guys, it's weird. <laughs> so here he is, here's Justin Lynn. enjoy. Justin, so glad to have you on.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: I've been so excited for this film, and tell me, what is the blueprint when you're at film number nine and how you're going to make this stand out, but also fit in?
2: Well, I, I would go all the way back uh, to 2005 when I first met Vin, you know, and, and back then, obviously, you know, we never thought we'd be here today, you know, and, and we talked about, you know, the, this idea that if we were lucky enough to earn a new chapter, what, we, what would we do, you know? Um, and so we were kind of two dreamers. We talk about the connection between all these characters and, and, but then through that conversation, we made a couple of commitments to each other is that if we were lucky enough to have another chapter, let's, let's not do the same thing again. You know, like let, let's, let's always try something. Let's take a risk. Let's try something new or explore new themes. Um, and then the other thing was, um, let's acknowledge that these are human beings that are growing, that are maturing, that are evolving, that are aging, you know? And so through now for me, 15, 16 years, you know, you're seeing that, you know, they've grown older, they've gotten together, they started families, now they have kids and their kids are growing up together. Um, and so that was those two, like those two agreements to me, um, it allowed, you know, for me personally, as a filmmaker, when I started, you know, I had just come off a credit card movie, indie movie, and then to be able to make four movies in the Fast franchise, and they were so different. I felt like I was able to grow as a filmmaker. But at the same time, we weren't doing the same thing over and over again, you know. And so coming back to this, I I, I wanted to make sure I didn't, you know, fall into any trap. So the idea of exploring, you know, the theme of family, but through blood, which has never been done in our franchise, that was mm. exciting. But I think what's even more exciting for me was that through that exploration, I felt like we now have, you know, the ability and the right to hopefully go back and, and really kind of uh, dig into the mythology and, and mm. present that. Uh, so, you know, 20 years in to be able to kind of hopefully em- embrace and, and have fun with where we are now, but at the same time, take a moment to be able to go back to the, the origin of this whole thing, this whole mythology w- was very exciting. And I, I think part of it is because, you know, it was going to be a different film. It's going to have a different feel, a different rhythm than the rest of the Fast movies. Um, and that, that to me, it got me excited for coming mm-hmm. back.
0: So um, there's an amazing moment midway through Han and Dom hug and Jacob looks very mad about it. He looks very upset. And I wondered, could this have all been solved? Had Dom just given Jacob a hug?
2: <laughs> I I, look, I think you're right on. A hug, <laughs> a lot of times, solve could solve so many problems, right, in life, <laughs> you know. And and in a way, you're. I think you're right on. I mean, I think in, even when we were doing that scene, I remember sitting there, and I I, I I Vin walked up to me, and he's like, "Wow, Han's gonna be back, right?" And I said, "Yeah, I, I think." It's the way you welcome him back. Like if you, you know, if you don't do it right, I think none of us are going to like that commitment to that hug is going sign- to signal to everybody that Han is truly back. So it was a, it was a really kind of ended up being a profound moment. And, and obviously with, with the proximity, all the characters <laughs> are in that geography. So I, I think you nailed it like right on, you know, and it was something that we, we talked about at length.
0: <laughs> so would you do you still think that Better Luck Tomorrow is still like Han's origin story? I mean, you're kind of nine in, is that still something you still hold on to?
2: Well, it's interesting because I think when we first started, it, it was like in the spirit of Han, right? And, and I remember talking to Song because as we were developing the character, uh, it felt like it would be Han. And I think also coming off Better Luck Tomorrow, like we were going through all the festival circuit. And because of the kind of ending uh, of that film, Everybody for like two years would ask like, well, what happened to these characters? What happened to these characters? So Sung and I decided, well, Han went to Tokyo, you know, he, to, you know, and so it became our kind of back and forth, our shortcut. And, um, but then it was weird. We were shooting Tokyo Drift. He's like, um, we were shooting in the garage scene and he's like, well, Han smokes. And I said, I don't think you should smoke. And he said, well, then I, I need to, quit but if I, when i quit smoking i usually am snacking and so that's <laughs> how the snacking started and then in fast five uh Giselle actually calls out Han. so something that started i think in spirit became more literal mm. as we were kind of have as as han kept thriving yeah. in the franchise so I, I would say that you know when we started off i thought it was more in spirit but now i think it's it's almost like a literal connection to han
0: and how how far forward have you planned already where it's going because obviously there's this is a spoiler episode, so um, there's a mid-credit scene, and we finally get a face-to-face justice for Han. Um, where 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 are we going with that? Can you tell us, like, has there been formulated
2: the plans for for justice for Han or the fans? Well,
0: as it kind of you know, we're teasing what's coming next. So, how far in advance yeah, have yeah. you kind of planned? Because um, I know you're doing so much stories, and we've got the spin-off
2: yeah. series. It, it's um, it's a it's a really unique kind of situation because. Uh, the final chapter, actually, you know, I started having the conversation with Vin and actually even with Paul, uh, like I think it was nine, nine, ten years ago. Um, and I thought it was just something that we would just it's an exercise of like if we were ever going to end it, what it would be. You know, um, I never thought we actually would realize it. And so when I came back, Vin, Vin kind of pulled me aside and said, hey, we're, we're going to do it. And so I was, you know, I was honored and I was a little shocked. But I felt like this has developmentally has been so different because everything else has always been like let's do this chapter where are we going how do we want to push ourselves what's new, but in this last chapter it's it's it felt I feel like it's its own lane that's been kind of brewing for ten years and Mm. it was it was I think it came in earnest uh, of just like well this has been amazing right like none of us expected this but if we were going to end this at, at one point what would it be you know and I I remember talking. To Paul at one point, he was like, well, maybe it's after six, like we should just call it, you know. And and so it was all these kind of conversations that were very, I think, very earnest and, and sincere. Um, but it, it led to tone and led to just certain things that I, I am kind of blown away that we're going to try to realize that. And so hopefully we can find all the right elements to help really kind of bring that to life. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think Vin is right in that. Um, it is going to probably take the runway of two films to really kind of hopefully land, you know, land everything, you know, with all these characters.
0: And it feels, you know, you said earlier on they've evolved. Have they evolved into superhero territory? I know it's a very self-aware <laughs> film. It's probably the most self-aware of all of yeah. them, to be honest. I love that. But yeah. I'm like, they don't bleed. I mean, they did bleed. <laughs> Jacob, when when Jacob and, Jacob and Dom hit each other, that's when they bled. But then there's yeah. other places they don't. So, like, in your head, like, what what's going on? With their abilities
2: <laughs> um I, I you know i i think it, it is really interesting and maybe because i was gone for the last couple movies that I, I felt like um wow like it, it really kind of has kind of taken a, its life of its own and i'm sure they have to have a conversation about it and so i think the self-awareness was a conscious effort in that like we're 20 years in and our promise to ourselves to never uh repeat things and to always push it has kind of taken us to a territory that at least i feel like it's time for the characters to talk about it amongst themselves you know and and, and so um it, it is it was a very conscious effort to say hey let's be self aware let's not break the fourth wall but let's let's at least enjoy hopefully uh these moments w- with with everybody um at least in this chapter you know um because i i feel like 9 is is a culmination of this unbelievable kind of um journey of 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 not basing it on ip or anything but to let's evolve and grow together um kind of mentality uh whereas i think 10 is going to come in and obviously it is going to be after but it it is also kind of has its own r- root so nine nine i felt like it was time to kind of at least let's let's hopefully have fun escape for a couple hours and 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 let's kind of dig into the past as we're hopefully kind of embracing where we've been and and where we are now but but 10 is, is hopefully you know uh is where we we're going to kind of be exploring these characters that it's been 20 years in the making but also developmentally you know nine, 10 years in the making.
0: And just finally, on a scale of one to 10, how scientifically accurate do you think this film is?
2: (laughs) Oh, boy. You know, it's interesting because it all started very scientific, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I was looking at, I was at Hamburg uh, looking at particle accelerators just because I I was curious, you know, and that's where I kind of started talking to the scientists about about it, and that's what, first time hearing about the magnet technology uh, it takes for particle acceleration, and um, that kind of inspired me to kind of end up kind of you know loosely kind of based on it and have some fun. Um, but I would say the uh, the outer atmosphere uh, launch that one is actually much more scientific <laughs> than I would I would say any of our action sequences in this franchise, and and getting on the phone with you know, rocket scientists with NASA and talking to them and and really having a crash course on how we can do it. Um it it, it was a great time and and um I, I think you as you can see in the news now you've seen Jeff Bezos, you see Virgin <laughs> Galactic launches. Uh I, I would say that one I know where I stretched things a little bit and where I really kinda kept it. So uh <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is funny. Sometimes it will surprise you how scientifically uh accurate we are versus what you think We are.
0: Well, I heard the jury's out on science, so do what you need to do. (laughs) (laughs) Justin, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you.
2: Thank Thank you you so much.
0: So that was Justin talking about the scientific accuracy about the film, and that's as good a place to start as any. So what do we think about the science, the stunts, and what was going on in this uh, installment Amon?
1: Uh yeah, uh the science and stunts. <laughs> science in the Fast and Furious franchise is funny. Um because uh they have increasingly uh paid uh less and less attention to the laws of physics, and in Fast and Furious Nine it's no different. Um there's some things What's which- so
0: funny, but the Justin was like, no, that is it's actually more scientifically accurate than you think, and I'm like, Justin <laughs> is it? <laughs> in what way
1: <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about dude um there are some there's some things which happened in this movie where i uh my plus one on the screening was my sister and we just looked at each other like can you believe this crap can you believe this um so yeah it's it's interesting what
0: what in particular then oh. talk, we'll all put it out on the table <laughs> tell us in what, what scene your, were your, you like
1: want to be specific? What? I mean in like the final one of the final big action beats of the film uh Vin Diesel sort of uses his car to take out a mag plane. um and <laughs> uh, that is insane um Vin Diesel uh Indiana Jonesing uh from one side of the bridge to the other with his car is just <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, when he's on that, he's hooked himself to that kind of suspension, that rope or whatever it was, but he managed to, like, pendulum his way round yeah. using the force of gravity. I mean... <laughs> but, um,
1: Michelle would, like, Letty, she, she, you know, she and are made for each other, because if that was me in the car, the way I'd be slapping this fool, if I made it to the other side, like, what the hell is wrong with you? Um, they're so calm. They're so <laughs> calm. They're like, mm, yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, but, like, it, it it fits where the franchise is right now in that these are very much superheroes um and you know having uh you know the, these guys be able to do these amazing beats uh sans superpowers um it just fits uh where the franchise has evolved to and <laughs> logical progression maybe is not the right phrase, but there's been a progression of sorts to this um stage um that has made it uh more entertaining than how is this happening i mean i'm questioning it now in terms of you know what in the hell with the physics and everything else, but in the moment i'm just like this is so ludicrous, but it's so entertaining and i love it it's it's earned ridiculousness i think um mm. and yeah for the most part it was.
0: so would you say because what, what my thing is when I first saw that opening sequence, it felt like this is is a direct response to Hobbs and Shaw because I think that film as a separate one is the one that fully leaned into the fact that mm-hmm. we're in super we want to make make the superhero films. I mean, it had like a super soldier in it. It was very <laughs> Captain America. So I feel like like Clarice, do you think then? in a way, it, it, it had to kind of pivot to kind of incorporate that element and it kind of freed them up to basically say, hey, we're going to do whatever we want. Who cares about science? We're going to say science several <laughs> times in this film and because we said it, it means it's accurate.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, Hobbs and Shaw is interesting because it's a spin-off, but also it feels like it's it's part of the same progression. Like, because I, I, I watched, actually I hadn't seen it before, I watched Fast and Furious eight before the night before nine <laughs> and <laughs> like it and is furious. interesting it's, it's just um yeah sorry i have no idea what that's <laughs> called because <laughs> the names are very confusing but you know it just it just felt like one step further and like Hobbs and shaw is the little like mini hop in between the little skip <laughs> that jason statham is doing on his way to <laughs> to fast and furious night <laughs> So yeah, like it, it, all make, it all makes sense to me because it's like, of course, this is the direction that we're headed and we've been headed in since around like Fast Five.
1: The best one in the franchise. My,
3: <laughs> my only question is like... Let it go, Amon.
0: Let it nope, go. <laughs> that's not happening.
3: <laughs> I mean, it makes sense that 10th would be the final outing because I don't know how far you can push this. Like, I don't know what the end of it. Is like where's the point where it's like the shark has been so jumped over (laughs) that the shark has like internally exploded from the pressure of being jumped over. Like I, I don't know. I don't. What's ten gonna do?
0: It, It seems to me from this film that Charlize Theron is continuing to be the big bad. Like she's the one that we have to watch out for. And interestingly enough, what I thought I think we discussed this is that she doesn't do any fighting. <laughs> she, she is it above her pay grade. It's like, you need to pay me more if you want to get me to fight. Because also, I think the believability, like, she's so good. She's such a good action hero. that the, I think the men just would be too in their feelings that they would get beaten up by mm-hmm. her. It's like Vin Diesel... Cannot get beaten by Charlies. It'll be contrary Maybe it's in his contract. <laughs> you know how it's like, no, they can't take more hits than the other. It's like, I cannot be beaten by a woman. Maybe that's, maybe I, that's part I, of it.
1: I do think that the whole Charlize Theron not fighting, you, you were asking how they sort of, you know, up the ante in past 10 and past 11. I think one of the, one of the things to do that will be Charlize going down against all the other women sort of in, in the family. Um, I can imagine that being a scene where it's like we haven't seen this before from the Fast franchise, and if you know they do it right, I think that could be really entertaining. Like I yeah. do
0: like how she, I do like how she's become basically Baron, Z, Baron Zemo <laughs> in
1: this in this film.
0: She's kind of like I'm in my, I'm in my plastic box, and then I'm gonna manipulate everyone, and then she ends up being like Aisha from Guardians of the Galaxy where she's, like, remote flying the plane. <laughs> God, has got it too. It's just yeah. That's my
3: one big, like, one of my two big criticisms of Fast and Furious 9 is because I am obsessed with Charlize Theron. I think she's one of the greatest action stars alive. It's Agreed. It's just, like, <laughs> let her punch somebody. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I am begging you. <laughs> well, let her come of- in. On a rig in 10. <laughs> She's driving the rig. Tom Hardy's there. The whole Mad Max crew is back. And they cause, the Cypher causes the apocalypse. And then we fast transition furiosa. smoothly. <laughs> yes, it's
0: a fast and furiosa. Know what response she replied to me. I did not ask that question to Justin, oh, yeah. unfortunately. I, I was it not thinking time to ask. Do you think that there's going to be a crossover
3: with Jurassic Park? <laughs> yeah, I want to see Dom Toretto like, fully punch Blue the Velociraptor <laughs> in the face. <laughs> and then Chris Pratt runs out
0: crying like, no. Well, let's talk about then the fight sequences in it, because I think it's increasingly become very much a part of like the blueprint of what makes a Fast and Furious film.
3: I actually really liked the scene in Tokyo where it's uh, Letty, Mia and and Elle, the kind of new characters in the movie. Uh, all just like throwing kitchen appliances at men. It, it, it was a nice callback to the fight scene from Atomic Blonde that I really <laughs> love where, again, I'm coming, coming back to Charlize where <laughs> <laughs> she's in the kitchen and she's beating everybody up with like pans and knives. Uh, I enjoy
0: unconventional weaponry. I think and- that reminds me of like when Jackie Chan movies, he'd just be like, oh, I'm just going to grab whatever's near yes. to me. I love that.
3: Yeah, I, lo- I love that. And I think Mia at one point is like a cupcake pan or something. <laughs> and she really just smashes a guy in the face with it. I like that. And it's like the, you know, it was simple. It's like the simplest sequence in the entire movie, but I thought the fight choreography was good. And, you know, as, as much as Fast and Furious is all about, like the more is more is more is more. Like, you know, and sometimes not, sometimes just like a really, really good,
2: fighting
0: yeah. I, liked it cause it quite, I liked it because it's quite I like the way it was quite closed in quite claustrophobic but I think I mean you didn't like this sequence did you Amon you thought it wasn't shot that well but I thought it was shot I kind of hate this I this thing in action films where women have to fight women it just feels very yes. odd and they had these women fighting men and I kind of like that the
3: girls are fighting
0: yeah oh, I love that um, close out <laughs> meow because was, they had that when Letty was fighting, what's her face? The not not Gina Carano, oh, Ronda, was Rousey. A, Ronda Rousey. Ronda yeah. Rousey. They had that like, oh, Michelle's versus Ronda Rousey. And I was like, um, okay.
1: I'm I'm mixed on because I pretty much agree with everything Chloe said, apart from the fact that it was so dark that I couldn't fully appreciate all the cure, all the choreography that went into it, and that was frustrating because like there were some elements to that part which I really liked. I liked the sort of you know grab anything, use anything nature of it. Um... I like the the fact that they, they were tag-teaming a couple of their opponents. That was cool. I just wish that I could see more of what was happening to fully appreciate it. I don't think they got that balance quite right. In terms of the other uh, fight sequences, while, yes, it's cool to see Vin Diesel and John Cena throw down, for instance, the superhero nature of everything means that no matter what they do to each other, nothing hurts them at all there's only so much pleasure you can divide from that if you're watching a fight because it's just like there, there are no states to this whatsoever if this guy drives this guy through a wall uh the, the wall breaks and this, they're just shrugging it off like you know nothing happened
0: yeah I, I mean i did love that bit where they're on the truck at the end and john cena is fighting that really big guy and he pulled out some wrestling moves i was like yeah god <laughs> yeah. get him yeah. but you're so right i mean there's that scene where Dom they're in this kind of Mr. Nobody's special secret stronghold in wherever, in Edinburgh, apparently. Is it in Edinburgh? It's in Edinburgh, right? Yeah. And then and then I don't know why Dom won't go with him. He's like, just he's like, No, I've got to hold I've got hold fifty men back. So basically he he does he he holds his arms out like he's the incredible Hulk and jumps in there. And that's what we're talking about. Like he's just beating them all up and he, and he and then he survives this fall, even though there's loads of debris coming down. I did like the fact that Letty was the one who rescued him. Like she obviously yeah. dived back down. How did she get yeah. in? Because he locked that door.
1: I don't know. She locked it. again, again, <laughs> defies, defies object. The thing that just makes me laugh about that scene is when he grabs the, I'm not sure what you call them. He grabs the the, the metallic ropes and then just yanks them down. Yeah. And I'm like, hold on, yeah. on a second. Which is a direct <laughs> response to
0: The Rock holding a chain to a yeah. helicopter and pulling it back it's like he's like look if the rock's gonna do that i want my moment as well it's, it's so <laughs> just,
1: like, just i mean if any other franchise that would be the jump the sharkman because hold on you're not you, when was it established that dom has super strength because
0: of the outlandishness you have to get to a point where you're like yeah we know like are they invincible like but what i thought was so funny was we talk about how they don't bleed Right, but mm. the only time I really visibly saw uh, Dom bleed was that fight with Jacob. You saw it, you know, when they're fighting each other, and you can mm. see blood coming down from his like uh, eyebrow, blood there. Then later on, we're in that kind of chase scene. As you said, he launches the car to hit the spy plane that Charlie's one is piloting from a
2: you know mm-hmm. a warehouse.
0: Yeah. But he and it reminded me of that scene in Mission. I can't remember what Mission Impossible. Maybe it's Ghost Protocol. They fall off a bike at like 100 miles, really fast. And then they're basically hitting the floor and rolling around. He does not have one scratch on him. <laughs> not only that, his his like vest, his white vest is pristine. And that's what I don't get. <laughs> like, how is it you're able to bleed when like your brother punches you in the face, but you don't bleed from falling out of a car. It's because he's he invincible, of Hannah. <laughs>
3: No, it's because he only bleeds emotionally. <laughs> so you know, it's different when his brother hits him. Family, and makes you'll bleed him bleed. then. <laughs> <laughs> only his heart
0: bleeds. Oh my god! Not his yeah, body. that was quite. That was quite insane.
1: I do like how they, as as ridiculous as it was when I first heard that, you know. Dom has a secret brother who has never been mentioned in 20 years and eight films of the franchise, but he has a secret brother. I like how they implemented that storyline for the most part into the film. There is genuine strife there. You can understand why. I think the way in which they healed that rift is a little bit annoying because they they go heavy on the flashbacks. The storyline to set it up, I think is actually pretty smart. And, you know, that's something about Dom's story, which we've heard a lot about, um, but we haven't actually gotten to see until this film. And I like how they gave visuals to that.
3: I feel like I disagree, Ooh. I'll be honest. <laughs> I hated the flashbacks. Yeah, no, I'm,
1: I'm saying, I'm saying that the flashbacks were bad, but the the, the setup, the initial setup was good.
3: Yeah, but I feel like a lot is all the same thing. It just reminded me so much of, I mean, spoilers for Spectre. <laughs> When it's just like out of the blue, Christoph Waltz is like, Oh, you, you're my adopted brother. And what well, was like I don't even remember what the story was. And I'm it's like, Oh, and they loved you because you were the perfect child. And it's like, feel of like this has never come up at any point until now. <laughs> by
0: the way, we're related. In the first Fast and the Furious, where he just has that, like, moment with Brian, this is what happened to my dad. There was, like, one mention of it. It's like, oh, he's got this, like, torrid backstory. Okay, now we get it where he lives his life on the edge of town and all this. He's an outsider. He's an outlaw. (laughs) But I do think it was quite clever how they can keep it going and then kind of incorporate the family element. It's like, well, what happens when you go up against family? Shit goes down. Yeah, Yeah, but literally that was the plot of the last movie. (laughs) the
3: whole point Not, of eight. Well, was, oh, they're going up against Dom. What happens when you go up against family? And it was because of his son. So it was like, also family. It was like family on top of family on top of family. Yeah. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I was just like, I don't accept any of this brother plot. And the idea that like John Cena is the unloved brother, like that muscly perfect guy <laughs> is the, the little
0: runt brother. Also, <laughs> very much a different race and ethnic background to his siblings. So I'm I'm just trying to imagine this. His dad must've had children by different women because there's no way in hell that they are full on. Okay, this
3: is the thing about that though, because it's the Fast and Furious like world, I really didn't think about it or question it until Charlie Sterren said something about him having a Nordic chin. What is a Nordic chin? <laughs> <laughs> or it's a Norwegian chin? Maybe it's a Norwegian chin. But like John Cena is Italian french Canadians.
0: (laughs) well my brother's girlfriend is norwegian and she does not have john cena's chin (laughs) i don't
3: think that's like a thing where everybody in norway has john cena's chin i don't think it's not like this is again with the (laughs) the going 80 miles per hour over (laughs) a minefield these both of these things they're just not things (laughs) but they're things that the fast and furious movies present as known facts that you as the audience should be like ah yes the norwegian chin (laughs) of course (laughs) thank you that's explained everything to me i have no more questions about this family like i would much rather they just just don't say anything about it. And then I'm not going to think or question it. <laughs>
1: They're just trying to you know, give some Norwegian chin some representation. I, mean, I, I respect that. Good on you.
0: But he's not Norwegian. Um, well, speaking of locations, there are a lot of them. Um, Hefty Chunk in Edinburgh, which you rather enjoyed, Clarice. And Les Iguanas.
3: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want to shout out the the in the London uh, chase sequence with Helen Mirren. <laughs> and also the Las Iguanas which is a real lasaguanas uh and i think it's now i've forgotten the street names i think it's charlotte street in edinburgh that they (laughs) this is look this is the thing about the edinburgh chase sequence i did not pay attention to any of it because it was actually like scrambling my brain trying to figure out which way (laughs) they were going which i know is fine all chase all chase scenes in all blockbuster movies do this they have like crazy directions that they go in but it's just they go they're going in opposite directions at the same time because they're like both trying to go down like princess street and also down to grass market which is literally one side is going into the new town and one side is going into the old town which are two very different places like the whole point of edinburgh is that it's like a city of two cities and they're in both at the same time <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, John Cena's just on that zip line, and I—where was that zip line going? <laughs> it just kept going, the- but I don't know
1: where. I think it like went over the museum at one point. Uh, just like, I just I, I just appreciate the amount of prep work that went into that, the amount of zip lines he just had laid over the exact white right buildings. Zip line to one building, pick up another one. Zip line to another one, pick up another one, another one. Zip line to another. I mean, you gotta respect that.
0: I do say I did they did get the because I live around the area where they did the London chase sequence and I was like oh if you go around they were like that horse ferry road and I was like channel falls on the left hand side so I was like oh I appreciate it. they kind of got that right but also I also loved uh, speaking of uh that moment I do remember the sheer number I was thinking about the sheer number of product placement in this film the boodles <laughs> <laughs> at the shop that Helen Mirren's at
3: I walked past that Boodles on the way home. I walked past the Boodles and I was like, oh my God, it's the Boodles (laughs) from
0: the movie. I was so excited. But my favorite bit is the Corona. It was so funny, at the screening we went to, they were offering Coronas. They had Corona in it. And then obviously Coronavirus came. That's quite an unfortunate coincidence, but it's just the way when Michael Rooker's in a scene, they're like, let's have a beer together. There's a bit where he takes a sip and he looks at the bottle and he places it down so you can see the Corona (laughs) uh, label on it. He's been told to make sure that you put it down facing it.
1: I really like Michael Rooker popping up in this film. And even though on the page, the character is very, very slim. I feel like because it's Michael Rooker, he added more depth than- Gravitas. (laughs) Gravitas is the word. I love that word. Um, do we think <laughs> that Cardi B added gravitas? <laughs> no, I do not, Hannah. Oh,
3: no, no, no. We will not have any Cardi B slander on this podcast. Oh, I loved every second that she was on screen. She should be but in my movie. only
0: frustration with that is the idea that she has this all-female team. And then suddenly for the rest of the movie, it's just men henchmen. Do you know what I mean? And this is what annoys me? Like, okay, you live in a world where women are as capable as men. Why are all the henchmen men? Why aren't they like where's the equal opportunity hench person?
3: <laughs> well, yeah, because it is very strange that they introduce like is she coming back? Because they introduce Cardi B as like wow, she's the head of this group. Mm-hmm. Okay, say goodbye. You're never going to see them again. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's really odd to introduce this entire new team of people and just be
0: like, well Speaking goodbye. of though, uh, reintroducing Lucas Black and um, little Bow Wow Bow Wow
3: yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the
0: Tokyo Drift team for a special science nerd. And this is good because we're getting into another location, space, <laughs> the final frontier. They were, it was quite funny how nerdy they made them because I always thought they were quite slick in Tokyo Drift. And they've grown up to be absolute nerds. <laughs> what is it they want to make it, they want to use, what's the engine called? That they're using to get fly into space. They want they attach it to a car, and they yeah. want to make their car go as fast as a jet. It's a jet engine but they oh, yeah. want to make it go as fast.
1: Yeah, I, I can't remember. The...
0: I didn't pay attention. <laughs> just...
1: I, can't I just the
0: saw. I was like rocket
3: car. <laughs> cool.
1: I can't remember the name. But I'm not gonna question. I can't this remember further. the name, but I enjoyed seeing them pop up again. Obviously, Tokyo Drift was the first film in the franchise that Justin Lin directed, and it's I just love that franchise cohesion. Um, it was very sort of you know unexpected to see them pop up again but i did i did like that and i feel like you know we we're talking earlier about ways that they can up the ante in the final two installments they still haven't gotten a film in which you know all the people from all of the franchise are in the same film all at once um you know hobbs and shaw notably absent for the most part from this film um that's one more thing i think that we will get before uh the franchise is out
0: do you not think they've maybe like jumped the gun by having them in space? Because like, where'd you go now? they've done space. Where are they going to go now? Like that's the most in ridiculous time. place. They could have back in
3: time. Back in time. Time heist. Quantum <laughs> realm.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> I could actually see that. What do we, uh, what, what were the characters that you feel that could need more work with? Because for me, I feel like Ramsey is such a nothing character. I, I and mean, it's not Natalie Emmanuel's fault. It's just she's barely given anything to do. Actually, Natalie Emmanuel can't drive in real life,
1: <laughs> so
0: <laughs> so to have a character that's quite that was quite funny in her not to do it. But it seems that she was introduced as kind of a funny. Hey, you think this Ramsay's a guy? Well, actually, it's a girl, and she's cool, and she's a hacker, and she looks good and hot, and also she's British, so she's a bit like different. But now it just feels like she's just a spare gooseberry to kind of prop up Tej. So what do we think?
3: Very, like, Lex in Jurassic Park vibes. Mm. Like, she's just around, and then she'll, like, go boobity boop on the
0: computer and go, I fixed it. I fixed the park. You do, have you ever read <laughs> Jurassic Park the book? Because Lex in that no. is, like, I wanted her to get ripped apart by the raptors. <laughs> she is so annoying.
2: It is, And I was listening <laughs> to the
0: audiobook version. So I had to listen to, like, a grown man do a young kids acts like voice and it was just so grating i was like just die lex die i want you to die and actually they changed so much about her she was so annoying
3: in that i mean she's a little bit annoying in the movie yeah but think,
0: thinking like that is like that was like five percent of how annoying she is oh actually god. in the book oh my god
3: if you're, you're just yeah, joining she-
1: us ladies and gentlemen you're now tuning into the fate of black jurassic park spoiler special uh <laughs>
3: Like, it's all getting mixed up because they showed us a bit of the new Jurassic World movie before the (laughs) (laughs) first appearance, and I was thinking a lot about that because I was a dinosaur child, so I'm very excited that they had feathers. (laughs) I still am a dinosaur child. They just, they put feathers on the T-Rex. We'll get to it when that movie comes out. But for you guys,
0: what were the things that I suppose character-wise you didn't think worked?
3: Honestly, I feel like <laughs> all of the characters are really underdeveloped. I, you know, because I, to me, the characters of Fast and Furious are, they're kind of like puppets. They're kind of all stretch Armstrongs and you just slap them around together mm. and it's fun. Like, I, I've never gone into a, a Fast and Furious film you know wanting to understand the Toretto history which I think is why the flashbacks frustrated me so much because it's you know like I I don't really care they they come to us as these like fully formed like super beings and and so I it sort of I don't know it, it almost destroys the mystique of Dom Toretto the more I know about him I just want him to be like super strong man who loves family Mm-hmm. and like yeah he can have a kid that's fine but i don't you know yeah. <laughs> like i don't i i don't want like layers and complexity and i don't really need that sequence where he like stepped inside his own soul <laughs> like oh just... god that was <laughs> yeah the
0: the underwater flashback sequence
3: yeah yeah it it just I I understand why they want to do that because obviously this is a a nine film franchise and there is an expectation that your characters would deepen over time and grow more complex but I as an audience member do not want that. I like them as they are. Yeah,
1: I mostly agree with that Um, aside from Dom and Jacob uh, nobody really gets as much uh, character development as I, you know would like to see. I would like to see in the you know a perfect world a, a marriage of character work and everything else that the Fast and Furious franchise does. But having come to terms with what the Fast and Furious franchise is, I understand that that's probably not going to happen. Um, I I will say that I I like that Letty and uh, Mia got at least one sequence to you know talk oh. about life and not to you know fight or do anything with cars. Uh, that was something that I think. Um, we could have used even earlier in the franchise um, so it was it was good that we got that um, but yeah everyone else is really just exposition machine uh, to help us uh, get from one scene to the next so mm.
0: I do think it's interesting to note that had Paul Walker not died Mia uh, uh, Jordana Brewster would not have the role that she has now because in a way she's now got the Brian who can look after the kids mm-hmm. <laughs> but if he, if that hadn't happened she wouldn't be a character and it's just interesting to think in a way it's a very masculine series and I'm not I just think in, I'm glad that they've used this as an opportunity to give Mia a, a role that she probably wouldn't have had otherwise so I'm, I, you know, that's I suppose this not a silver lining of someone's death, but like enable to keep, in being. I love the fact that they were able to keep Brian in the franchise, keep him alive in the franchise, so that so that now this is able to give purpose to a, another female character when there are so few of
1: them. Hundred percent.
3: I will say, I, I, it's very exciting that Han is back. <laughs> But like I felt like the the introduction of him was really cool and really amped up, and everyone was like, oh yeah, my heart's back!" <laughs> and then he didn't really do anything after that. And was, I don't know if it's an, another thing of like, "Oh, they're waiting until 10 because obviously in the post mid credit sequence, uh, we see him square up with uh, sure, uh, sure. Uh, well, <laughs> I was I, just gonna say James <laughs> <and> Statham. <them.
1: laughs> I I have a question for you guys about that. Do you think? that they should have held justice for Han and not put it in the trailer at all. No, no, no. I saying do like, don't put justice for Han in the trailer. Don't have it in marketing at all. I mean, justice for Han, I mean, Han as a whole. Do you think he should have been exempt from any and all marketing and just have that be a big surprise in the actual film? I don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't really have a strong opinion on it. I think it, it, it was exciting for people to know that he was back. And I think in a way it was to confirm to people that they were finally addressing it. And I wouldn't have been surprised. You know, I think in a way, maybe that got people more excited for a ninth instalment because you're gonna get this loved, beloved character back. Um, I thought it was slightly yeah, it might have been a little bit underwhelming the way he come came back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we weren't allowed to la- like so like, cool. be, like enjoy it. We weren't allowed to enjoy that moment, like, oh my god, he's alive and he's saving them.
3: They should have done, like, the whole Gandalf the White, you know? Yeah, Yeah. he comes out oh, and they have that whole oh, yes. scene and Aragorn's like, oh my god, you're yeah. back and you're looking cooler than ever. Like, they didn't have that Gandalf the White moment. They had the build-up and it was very cool, but then I just wanted that a little bit more. I think what, more. what
1: took away from even the sniper scene is that before the sniper scene, they were doing, like, the, the briefing in the Edinburgh base and they had Han's name come up on that because he's connected to Mr. Nobody somehow. That was the first time we actually saw Han and I'm like, take that scene out, just have it be revealed that he is the sniper or just like have him be the sniper but in shadow have the still oh my god reaction and then when he comes back to the base that's the first time we see Han. I think that would have been more effective.
0: Mm. I just love the fact that Jacob looks so mad that Han got a hug from Dom. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he was well, that, fuming he just like the way he looked at me, I was like oh my god that is well that's pure. the thing
1: that I genuinely Bleach. liked in terms of you know Jacob's whole in the the
0: he just wants the
1: it's about it's, it's family but it's like blood versus bond and I do think that they you know there's genuine tension and pathos in that
0: so what do we think about the the kind of logistics of Hans non-death how he escaped death, because that was a bit, I was kind of a bit slightly <laughs> confused by, it, but how, how, so let's try and figure out what, so he was now being working for Mr. Nobody as part of his like secret kind of agent, because if Gal Gadot trusted you and loved you, therefore I will trust and love you too. Um, Kurt Russell's Mr. Nobody. Mm-hmm. And then it turned out that he had to kind of get the, the MacGuffin of this film, <laughs> the kind of, um, this special algorithm that was made into like this crystal maze type, you know, the crystal maze crystals. It looked like that, but like a black and green version of it. They faked his death. I'm so, I was just a little bit confused about who actually <laughs> was supposed to kill. Was it Jacob who's supposed holograms,
3: to kill Holograms. Right? Holograms. I'm just, I just assumed it was holograms. Right? Right. They were like hologram of him. And then I guess somehow. When someone was remote
0: driving the car.
3: I don't. You like okay. Kurt Russell just says we did it because we got mega science, <laughs> <laughs> and so and
0: that's all you have to say.
3: <laughs> look, when Kurt Russell just tells you that he saw something, you go
0: sure <laughs> you don't question it. <laughs> he's Kurt Russell, like he
3: knows.
1: So what Jason he's doing.
0: Statham wanted to get back at someone for killing over his brother, and so he wanted to get back at Dom by killing Han. But then, if he didn't get killed, why is Han confronted him? Well, we don't know that that situation is gonna end badly mm.
3: the opening of fast not fast 10 might just be han going in for a big hug saying, oh my we, god we cool? <laughs> right yeah it'll be like a like like Luke skywalker throwing away the lightsaber in last jedi it'll be like oh you thought they were gonna fight <laughs> but no they're chill i don't think they're friend. gonna
1: fight because han han knows he's not winning that fight if they fight I mean he's well, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> who wants to fight Jason State though? <laughs> That's a death wish.
0: But in a way it's kind of cancelled. Harton doesn't need justice. He was already like he's cool, he's fine. So in a way they've kind yeah, of written that... out the need for that whole campaign. Is it more so in a way Justice Bahan is less become about justice for his death, but justice for killing him off in the first place?
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, well, I thought Justice for Han was like justice for him not being in the movies, right? It wasn't No, like, it was
0: more because... Like, he was... we
3: actually want to kill Jason No, <laughs>
0: but it's because of how they retconned the story. Because if you remember, he got killed in Tokyo Drift, right? But then they decided yes. to have... They decided to have the fourth and fifth films. Was he in sixth? Um, I can't remember. But have that take place before Tokyo Drift. And that's when they introduced it. So actually... The justice for Han theme came because they liked they liked Sun Kang. They loved him for from five, and then knowing that he was killed off means like, oh wait a sec, why did you kill off his character that we love? And then when when Jason Statham's Shaw became more of an anti-hero, you just can't like kind of make this guy hero now after he killed Han. Right.
3: This guy does not so get to be was, invited
1: to the cookout.
3: It, it yes. was death to jason <laughs> statham yeah <laughs> that was what the hell, but, so that they totally have been the canceled hashtag. that
0: with this film they basically said he didn't even kill him in the first place so you
3: can't blame him but also that's happened like Letty got amnesia and was evil for like five minutes like i feel like everyone is evil for five minutes in this franchise and you just have to uh, forgive and forget no otherwise. one dies
0: Love never dies. No one dies <laughs> and invincible. no one is good for the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we think then? Let's. To, what do we think is going to be happening in the next? I think
3: Han is going to recruit uh, Shaw to take down Scythe yeah. right? I don't know why because he's just like a tough British man. I don't know what he knows. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Maybe Helen Mirren as well. Mama Shaw, she'll be in on it And Vanessa well. Kirby will probably be back. Yeah. yeah, but not Hobbs though, because right, Dwayne Johnson doesn't like working with Vin Diesel because Vin Diesel told him to be Fellini. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't get how he thinks he's a great actor. I love him, but he is not doing, you know, Fellini work. That like, final sequence where, where it's, God, the, the script writing is so bad at that final bit. And you had to wonder what it did, but where he, they're back at the old house, which got blown up, but obviously they're rebuilding, so we're still going to have a cookout. At this place that doesn't seem to have a kitchen, but we'll do a barbecue, whatever. And they're in the garage, and then and then lays like Brian. I think Dom has a question for you, Brian. Do you want to say grace? And then and then they did the scene. They go outside, and it's like we're still waiting for someone. And then and then Brian turns up, just very very unnecessarily corny. Like I know this is a corny franchise, but that just seems shoehorned in for no particular reason other than. Vin Diesel wanting to have a moment of, of beauty Look. of whatever.
1: Hannah, speak for yourself. But I think Vin Diesel's work in this film and as Groot, I think it's worthy of Oscar nominations. Uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about. No, uh. you
3: know, no, you know what? I get why he says Fellini. I I kind of see where he's coming from. I feel like it's absurd, like not so much in like the funny sense, but you know, just a little. You know, I, I think Vin Diesel understands that him, like, pulling down an entire building by, by holding onto two chains. <laughs> 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 like, I think him saying that this franchise is yes, maybe him recognising, like, some part of the, like... I just don't I'm know trying how give to, that criticism to Dwayne
0: Johnson, because I actually think mm. he's one of those actors... And actually, I quite think, like, John Cena, they're so hyper-aware of, like their bodies and like the ridiculousness. I mean, look at in everything that he's kind of done. He is not a person who is um, too proud to be silly or to kind of recognize the ridiculousness of the circumstances that they're in. And actually I think what I like about Hobbs as a character is that he is in a way like Dom, just less laid back. He's like less chill. He's just, he's on all the time. And I quite like, I love Hobbs. I prefer Hobbs to Dom, and I am so sorry to say that, but I think Hobbs is a far more interesting character to me. 100%.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I did really, I think they were so
3: smart in doing Hobbs and Shaw, because that team up was the most charismatic, and I, I understood those characters the most because it's like oh classic odd couple i get it
0: (laughs) also they have actual training i still can't get in my head i mean again this is coming from a place of love because i adore this franchise but when you (laughs) it's like how they went from being these like very basic these high like literally car thieves and who were great at driving hot wheels to suddenly these like very capable operatives who just know the ins and outs of international espionage. Tej and Roman were in space. Like,
1: just
0: <laughs> hey, But like the amount of training that astronauts have to go through because of also the psychological pressure of being in Like there is so much about being in space that actually you need to go for all these protocols because...
3: <laughs> it's the Fellini. It's the Fellini-esque. You're,
1: you're totally right. Fellini
3: would have wanted and this.
1: Just remind me of a line that Jacob says... Whereas, like, you know, Jacob is this, like, you know, international spy or whatever. And he's like, you know, you're, you're in my world now. Yeah. And just like, have you, have you not watched the last three films? <laughs> <laughs> because we've been in this world for a minute. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I love these stupid idiots. <laughs> okay. So, I suppose, what's our final thoughts?
1: We have not talked about uh, A Gambit, which Justin Lin returns to, at multiple points in this film. It's actually my squad cast name for today. And my squad cast name for today reads, time for a hard stare through a car window. Uh, Because who needs dialogue when you can just pull up alongside a car, slow it down for a little bit and tell them what you're thinking through the power of a hard stare. Uh, It kind of (laughs) works. They do it at least three times. Oh my God.
3: Okay. There's (laughs) 10. Car rolls up. It's Paddington. <laughs> He's giving everybody a hard stare. <laughs> Can you imagine him? He's sitting at the wheel with his little paws. <laughs> He's just like eyeballing Toretto. Justin to Lane called call She has up. ideas.
1: Uh,
0: someone suggested this at the screen. I think it was Ben Travis. And he said, um, oh, this is going to be like the new um, uh, A Star is Born meme. It's like, hey, what? <laughs> just want to look at you. It's going to be like Dom and Jacob just like staring at each other. Just want to get another look at you. We did have the best time. But um, once again, thank you so much. Uh, Well, thank you, Justin Lin. Thank you, Vin Diesel. Thank you, all the gang. Because honestly, this feels like great cinema to get back in in a theatre for. This is what we've been missing. All this silliness. And I cannot wait for the next one. but I hope you guys listening had as much fun as we did. Give us a shout out if there's anything uh, you wanted to add. Um, t- uh, tweet us. Hashtag Black Pod. Make a meme. Please <laughs> yeah, make Yeah, in memes. the meantime, happy viewing via whatever medium is the safest for you. Do subscribe, rate, and leave us a review if you love the podcast. Um, you can tweet us and follow us at Hannah Flint uh, on Twitter or at Hannah Ness Flint on Instagram. I'm Clarice Lou on Twitter and at Clarice Lockery and on Instagram. And I'm
1: at Amon Woman on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Well, on our next episode, we're going to be reviewing Freaky and Another Round, which we're really excited for. Plus this week, um, myself and Clarice are going to be speaking to the writers of Legally Blonde to celebrate the anniversary. So we'll have a lovely special episode on that. And we can't wait for Amon actually to watch this movie. <laughs>
1: I'm excited White, about it. Like watches. it's tied. I keep
0: doing the same line. I'm sorry. I'm obsessed with it.
1: You guys have really built this up. I really hope I like it. Uh, if I don't I uh, suspect this this is gonna be <laughs> an interesting podcast. But it's yeah. okay,
0: I'm editing that podcast and I'll just edit you up. <laughs> uh,
1: well, I'm really joking.
0: I'll just I'll just cut your word I'll just cut bits into it to make it sound like you saying i be like, I really like this film. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, I don't know, farewell film friends. It's time to fade to black.